Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging tech, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold & Associates. I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hello, John. Welcome to another month. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Watch This Space. I uh, I hear you've done a lot of traveling this month, right? Well, the, what comes to mind right away, Chris, every time I think about this is the famous Johnny Cash song, right? I've been everywhere, man. And that's definitely the, uh, this is like one of the few times in my life I can say I can live up to that song. So, I think so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, you're, you're, you're kind of up on my travels as a small circle of people who uh, I stay in touch with regularly when I'm on the road. And uh, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I've been posting photos pretty regularly from the various events. And if you don't know folks, tech analysts uh, travel pretty regularly. Mainly, it's just a tool of the trade. You know, we need to stay current with the vendors that we follow. And so many of them will hold regular uh, events that they invite us to. So the kind of the trade is they get us kind of undivided attention and uh, cap keep us captive for two or three days. So we get really like the, you know, the inside story we get, you know, to hear it direct from the executives and they get to hear from us. They want our feedback too on how their roadmap looks to us, you know, if they're on target with their messaging, that kind of thing. So it works out to be a pretty fair trade. Um, and in some cases, it's just analysts at these events, or sometimes it's analysts in media. And other times it's kind of bolted on to a bigger customer event. And I'll touch on examples of both of those, Chris, um, over the next few minutes. So that's kind of the setup for today, folks. Uh, as you like to say, Chris, where's John Arnold been? And so I'll tell that story in a moment. But uh, before I start monopolizing the airwaves, uh, uh, maybe you, you you should add a few things now before I start uh, getting on my getting on my travel log. Well, I think given the colorful excitement of your month. You've got the, you've definitely got the floor to go through it. But I mean, my month has basically been, I've done some traveling, which was surprisingly not bad. The The travel forces of the universe were more or less aligned. I was out in Silicon Valley for a week. And, um, you know, I think the trends that I saw that the people that I spoke to and where I went is pretty in line with what you and I have been talking about, about the evolution of work. You know, there was just not a lot of crowding the traffic was back to a little bit more like what it used to be, but pretty much everyone I spoke to was on some kind of hybrid schedule, which which was interesting, you know, typically two, three days a week. And I, it definitely confirmed everything that you and I have been talking about with people with variable hours. Like they're just not going to stay if it's going to be rush hour, let's say, to go home. And it, there's a lot of flexibility and companies, to be fair, are giving people some flexibility with this as long as they're there for whatever meeting of the day they're supposed to have. But um, they don't they can get in earlier, they can leave a little earlier, whatever. But that's sort of the synopsis of my month have been going around and 
seeing things continue to come back to life, but all in the new paradigm. Yeah. And uh, I, I'd say the same kind of reflection on, on the various events I've been to. And clearly, as we, we like to talk about, Chris, yeah, I don't think anybody's really got a handle on this yet. It's pretty fluid. And I, I think for every, you know, success story, there are plenty of failures that, you know, just trying to be too heavy handed or too light handed. And uh, it's it's um, I think the, the hidden heroes of this are going to be um, two, two things. I think one would be opportunities for the companies who are in the business of designing workspaces. Um, and we've talked about this before. And that that theme has come out in some of the events I've been to. And then there's a whole there's a whole thing around wellness. Right. I know it's kind of the soft stuff. But companies are really going out of their way to cater to keeping people on an even keel, you know, whatever, emotionally, psychologically, that um, puts them in the right headspace to be productive. And I'm not sure where, where we go with that, but uh, that that's a bit of what I've been seeing as well. Well, I have a comment on that. I agree with all that. But I also think I've got a transition into you talking about some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you want to talk about. So. My comment is, I think what's happened, one of the many so-called paradigm shifts is, I think that the concept of benefits and amenities is really changing, right? That's one of the things under the surface that's really changing about the workplace. And I think, you know, in my career, you know, going back to, you know, the year of the flood or whatever, and and then in more modern times up until the pandemic, a lot of amenities were basically meant to make it more pleasant to be in the people tank all day, every day, right? Like, so, you know, free food buffets and laundry on site and stuff like all the Silicon Valley perks of legend was really designed to keep you in the office more, right? To keep you not to go away. And I think what's changing is companies are trying to find, and, and you know, the employees too are trying to find a happy medium of balance where the amenity that, that the firm is providing or the location is providing is basically to make it more effective and efficient and sustainable during the time you're actually there versus assuming you're going to be there every day and then trying to make it as pushy as possible. I don't know if that's the right word, but you yeah. see what I'm getting at? Oh, for, for, for sure. Yeah. So that brings up, you know, the whole benefits, you know, space. And now we get into the HR side of things and, and by the way, folks, you know, this is a common theme for our podcast here on Watch This Space, but also it's a bit of a sneak peek for the Future Work Expo that uh, I'll be running for my sixth year now, starting in uh, coming this February in, in Fort Lauderdale, where it always is. And Chris, I know, uh, you know, I'm counting on you to be there for at least one of the sessions, as you have been in the past, and uh, that'll give us a chance to kind of go a little deeper on some of these uh, podcast themes, right? Because future work is such a broad scope idea now. I did want to tag one more idea onto this. And yes, we will get to the travel stuff, folks. You know, the veneer to me underneath all of this with making the the, the benefits more attractive and right-sized for what we need for hybrid. Um, I hate to say it is, but that little bit of that specter of AI is coming. And I think that while we still are in charge, so to speak, I think they're trying to make the workplace seem as welcoming and human centric as possible, because I think it's pretty safe to say, Chris, within five years, I think AI is going to totally kind of reinvent almost everything we do. 
and around the whole concept of work. I really believe that. I don't disagree with that, John. And actually, that leads me to a point that I was going to make was kind of transitional into the where have you been. So one of the things that I've noticed around where I've, where I've been poking my head into various workplaces is that there really is a challenge around what we used to call AV, right? So if you think about what are the challenges in the post-pandemic workplace, right? One of them is just physical rearrangement, right? Because a lot of workplaces are still sort of the 2010 to 2017 or 18 kind of view, or if not earlier, maybe let more friendly cubicle farms. Basically, again, that assumption you're going to be there all the time. And part of that was because when people were more in person, they were able to put up with pretty crummy conference room technology and not a lot of immersiveness in meetings and not a lot of what they call meeting equity, which you and I've talked about, you know, are you remote or you local. So when you talk about AI, I think I think a real application of it, and this probably segues into your stuff, is how do you make the this kind of immersive not VR or anything like that necessarily, but just people trying to work together when they're not all physically together, or even if they are physically together and somebody has to make a presentation or all the familiar problems that you have with with groups and conference rooms and audiovisual systems and all of that, like how do you make that better? Because if there's kind of one aspect of the workplace that I look at, that's still got a lot of issues in a lot of places. That's what it is. So I don't know if that's relevant to what you're doing, but I'm going to kick it to you with that. Yeah, totally does, Chris. And yeah, it's been a theme we've re- we've visited several times. And uh, the best example of the leading edge of that that I saw over the last few weeks would have been the last event I was at, which was Cisco's WebEx One. And uh, I'll briefly, let me just quickly t- touch on that since it's the most kind of top of mind um, they, they've done a lot of work to rethink, you know, the office experience top to bottom, particularly for the meeting room space. Um, they talk about uh, how only 15% of conference rooms are properly outfitted with any form of video. So there's a lot of upside for bringing technology like this into the workplace that is built around making a more, as you say, inclusive experience for both in-room and, and remote workers. And uh, what was really cool, what I what I viewed from this event was how they've talked about different types of spaces. So they talk about small meeting rooms, large meeting rooms. They talk about, you know, auditorium style spaces. They talk about what they call, I think it was like a campfire one example where, where, the, where, where there's a big kind of it's like a giant perimeter of, of seating and it's all focused on the middle, kind of like watching a you know theater in the round kind of thing. So all of these physical configurations all have different, you know, I, I guess, AV requirements to make the experience, you know, as you say, equitable for everybody. So they provided some very good examples of how, you know, the, the, using AI, right, the camera will bring people from the background into the foreground and will what they call their, their, their shooting for what they call a cinematic experience. So they want to make the viewer, I guess the remote participant, feel like they're in the room. So they have all kinds of interesting like camera angles that change on the fly. So one, you know, you're speaking head on to a camera, then you turn 
and another camera picks up your motion. So it's kind of like you're watching almost like a show instead of being in a meeting. Now, to me, that can be a little distracting and kind of secondary to the purpose of a meeting. But the point is they're trying to make it much more engaging and immersive. And behind it all are some of the technology kind of pe- the, the the hardcore technology pieces that make for a better experience. So they talk about they've kind of reimagined voice codecs um, and video codecs, I'm sorry, that um, basically hold up under low bandwidth conditions where there's no degradation or compromise. And they've done the same thing for audio as well. Uh, again, AI kind of controls a lot of this stuff dynamically. So they're being very mindful of what that experience needs to look like kind of under the covers, right? The, where you don't need a director kind of pulling all the levers and knobs and turning everything to make manage it like a sound engineer would at a club. AI kind of just does it on the fly. So I thought that was a good example of kind of what you're getting at there. I think it's a good or a good attempt. Um, I think they actually, the thing that I find interesting about what Cisco's doing, I think I talked about a little bit about the tour, that they do have a vision, right, which is fairly coherent across a lot of different kinds of use cases. It is a very proprietary vision, right? So you, and it has certain assumptions underneath it, like, as you mentioned, the extensive use of video that you sort of have to accept as a customer. Um, I think it's going to be up to the up to their um, the alternatives to them who are more um, best in you know you you choose best in class for each thing to start to interoperate better and so there's they're more of a kind of an open source vision around this right They've, yeah and they have kind of gone down that road so there's two pieces to this and then we'll move on to other stuff the hardware piece so they've clearly doubled down on hardware being an important part of the story. So when, when I describe these different meeting room environments, they have a whole family of video endpoints and monitors that are built specifically and audio pieces specifically for those environments, right? So depending on your room configuration, there's different types of hardware pieces that you can buy from them. So that's actually good for the channel because now they have hardware to sell. But on the on the kind of bigger picture stage, they made very clear that they want to be very um that interoperability with other systems is 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 got to be part of the story so they've talked up quite a bit about how you can use webex one for example within microsoft teams right so they've integrate they're integrating with zoom they're integrating with major platforms that are essentially competitors and this is the power of the big vendors they can you know the co-optition thing they you know they'll be, they'll be buddies when it suits them and competitors when it doesn't but they recognize you know they don't dominate the meet the collaboration space in the way that microsoft does um and you got to play along and but their solution i would argue is probably superior to what these other vendors have because they don't have the hardware pieces that cisco brings they don't have the network the underlying infrastructure that cisco brings so cisco can bring a more complete vision that would complement very well someone in a Zoom environment or Teams environment. So they, you know, they, because they know they're not the number one player in Collab, but they probably have the best technology. They have to kind of, you know, they, they've got to even that out a little bit to kind of get the traction they need to keep growing. Oh no, time will tell. I yeah, for you sure. know, t- time will tell. But to your, but I do think that the underlying point, whether you talk about one 
particular solution or not, is that things have to interoperate in a relatively seamless way. They have to be secure. They have to accommodate, you know, issues of privacy and data security. Um, and they need to, you know, actually demonstrably improve productivity. And yeah. so I, I, I guess I think it's an early stage in the battle of the post-pandemic collaborative environments, but they're certainly in, doing a lot of investment in it. Um, yeah, it and I think whatever the alternative solutions may be, they're going to have to place a similar level of focus. You know, the Microsofts, the Zooms, right? And all the all the players that want to be in that space. Yeah, it's a tricky balance that they're all all trying to strike. And and I do want to just also one last thing on Cisco. They they made very clear that you know they want you know they are all for responsible AI, you know being transparent, accountable, you know all hitting all the right notes for the things we want vendors to be doing. And that's another, as you say, remains to be seen. But I, they're, they're messaging certainly about how they want to approach AI is what you want to hear from vendors. And I hope that the other event players out there take a similar tack on this and obviously that they live up to the promise because clearly, as we said earlier, if AI is going to transform everything about work, um, you know, the vendors are the ones selling this stuff. So you got to trust the technology, you've got to trust the vendors and, uh, and, and trust that you, you know, you are, are using AI for the right, um, for the right things. Um, okay, so yeah, we're gonna run out of time real fast, Chris. So let me let me just do a very quick, you know, two minute highlight hit for kind of the major stops uh, on our trip because the the travel stuff, fun folks, is the fun part of what I get to do, as is with most analysts. Um, but very quickly, I'll just tell you, I, I uh, over the course of the month, um, aside from New York, getting to uh, getting to well, let me see, Europe, South America, and the Middle East and the US, of course. So first stop was UC Expo, which is an annual event in London. And it's kind of the European version of Enterprise Connect. So there we have the latest and greatest on what they're doing over there. Um, I got to speak on a couple of, of the sessions there. And uh, yeah, they're a little bit behind us. But the, the general line of thinking is that the US market, North American market is a little more innovation friendly and more kind of open for business with tech. The EU market is a little more cautious, right? They're a little more mindful, you know, things like GDPR about privacy and security. So they don't move quite as fast. And this brings up that classic innovation versus regulation dynamic. So uh, I, I look to, you know, if you look ahead to what's happening in our part of the world, you know, the EU will probably be there in, you know, maybe a, a step or two behind us, but they're taking a little bit more of a, you know, balanced approach, right? You know, you hear like in France, they have the right to be forgotten, you know, to have people have, be free to be offline on the weekend. So they're not working 24 seven, that kind of thing. So it is a bit of a different dynamic, um, but that was still a, you know, it's always a good event to go to. I will uh, just quickly mention and then I'll, I'll pause for a bit here, guys. I went uh, from there to, to a couple of exotic locales. Nice, who is one of the leading contact center vendors, really. We keep setting the bar higher every year. They took us to Morocco last year. This time they took us to Machu Picchu in Peru, which I thought was kind of apt because it's all about cloud and AI. 
And interestingly, when you're in Machu Picchu, you get to see what the Inca civilizations were like. This is high up in the mountains where we literally are in the clouds, Chris. I mean, you can see it right in front of you. And to admire the kind of civilization these people built, and they did not have written language, and the stuff's still standing. And uh, these guys obviously had a vision and figured a lot of things out about how to build a civilization. And so it just make, makes you realize, you know, human ingenuity can go an awful long way. You work with the tools you have, and uh, some some of them last, some of them don't. But uh, it, it was pretty impressive to see that, you know, when you have a great idea about what you want to do and uh, you do it and if you do it right it stands the test of time and uh you know some tech companies that's what happens to them and a lot of them don't and then last chris uh, before i mentioned cisco already um i was also at uh dubai to uh, uh avaya was a one of the exhibitors at a, an event called jitex which they claim is the biggest startup tech event in the world and if you've been to events like Mobile Congress, that's the kind of scale we're talking here. I think there were 26 exhibit halls. And uh, being in that part of the world, especially in the current political climate, it's a little jarring to see, you know, when it's all business all the time, I guess, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. But um, when there are other things going on in the world, too, it's, it, it puts a little bit of a pall on what you're doing. But we were there for a reason. And that was a whole different experience altogether. Um, and last, Chris, yes, I was in Raleigh for this SCTC event where the Siptones got to do a dinner set. So that was another goodie added on to all the travel, getting to play some music. Wow. Well, that's a lot. Well, first of all, um, I hope that the Siptones got recorded. I have to go see the set. But uh, uh, if they did, you know, what did, did you did you have any kind of overall takeaway out of all of this did you think like did business seem vigorous did did um did you think the level of dialogue was going on that you needed or that you wanted to see around all the topics that you think about all the time i i would say yes um you know that there, there are so many shades to this because like at sctc when we were around people who've been doing this for 20 30 40 years people who know a lot and so there's a collective kind of insight there that you get and they understand kind of where these technologies are going but more importantly they understand how the buyers you know engage with this stuff what they think about what they don't think about and at the end of the day you know all this stuff is about selling things technologies and solutions and whatever and it's really interesting to to note that you know the gen there's a generational shift happening where our generation are not just the analysts and the consultants, but we're also, you know, the sellers of the technology and the buyers of the technology, and of course the users of the technology. And I think there's a collective thing there of, you know, events like Cisco have been going through for a long time. And when you see the kind of younger generation of leadership coming up, you know, they're very attuned to, uh, you know, the current technologies and, and where they bring value just as the buyers are looking for that too. But you do, I hate to say it, you do get a sense that some of this is kind of going to be lost to the sands of time as our analog, and that's our theme on this podcast, right? As our analog kind of generation kind of, kind of recedes, retires, exits, whatever you want to call it, I think there's going to take a lot of that kind of accumulative knowledge with them. And it's more than just the hardcore technology, right? It's, it's that 
human dimension of how we interacted with technology, what we expect of it, where we should be happy with it and not happy with it. And I'm not so sure that the next younger generations have that. How could they have that same perspective when they've grown up all digital? And I'll just cap that quickly, Chris, where most of us probably know of a guy named Terry Matthews or Sir Terry Matthews. Yes, of and course. He was our one of our keynote speakers at SCTC. And uh, he, reason being that Mitel had their 50th anniversary this year, and we managed to convince him to come and join us. I actually didn't get to see his talk, but I did get to hang out with him at the bar for about 20 minutes. So I did have a little bit of one-on-one time with him. And uh, it was just great to hear him talking about, you know, kind of what he sees uh, out there and, and the successes that he's had. And he's just, at this point, he's just, you know, kind of enjoying it all, but he stays very active. He's still looking at startup opportunities. And uh, I'm sure he's very happy to see that Mitel made it to 50 um, but that, again, that generation, I should add, the entrepreneurs too, right? The people with the money and the vision. We, I just hope there'll be future generations who have the same kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, they, there's, there's a secret sauce that these kind of entrepreneurs have that make it go. And uh, it's always exciting to see who or where that next generation is going to come from that brings that kind of magic. Well, before I comment, um, Terry Matthews was is Canadian telecom legend and tech legend who founded the, what became a major telecom technology company, Mitel, right? Which is, again, still around. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, my comment is I, I actually think that, the, if anything, the, you know, the younger generation is extremely entrepreneurial. And the reason for that is, is that I, well, I think anyway, is that you know, there's fewer avenues. If you're an ambitious person, you know, or you just want to reach a certain point in career, are there, you know, it's not as clear cut to just go be a corporate employee anymore. For sure. You know, in the generation, we were sort of at the, I guess we were, we were in the middle of it, but not the very peak of it, you know, in the post-war years. But, you know, you could get a job at a place like IBM or Hewlett Packard or the phone company and really go very, very, very far based on where you started, right? You mm-hmm. you really could reach whatever the limit was of your skills and talents and desires and ambition in many, many cases. You know, and if that was a middle-level person, that was a very good living and a very secure living. And I think that corporate environment just really isn't so much around anymore. You have to be more entrepreneurial even in even if you do want to be more corporate, right? You have to be much more willing to jump. You have to be willing to think of your trajectory independent of your employer. And so I'm not too worried about entrepreneurial thinking. I just I just think that, you know, hopefully people understand the good and the bad about technology, having grown up much more immersed in it, right? And that there can be a balance on things like AI. So that's kind of my two cents on it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because if anything, I view this as a golden time to be entrepreneurial. Um, everything is software now, and, and the barriers to entry are almost nothing. When you think about the kind of avenues people pursue in these digital kind of businesses, you know, there's no brick and mortar that you need. You don't have to get funding, uh, build a factory or 
you know, have a, you know, have a unionized workforce, all of the things that make businesses very expensive propositions with a lot of risk. So, you know, the, the, and there's no shame in failing, right? You might, it might take you to your 10th startup to actually make it, but the opportunities are certainly there for sure. Agreed. And also agree about the barriers to entry. There's as much, if not more concentration of market power among a few companies as there were back in the day when there was a lot of market concentration back mm-hmm. in the day. So there's, I think there's a lot of challenges of kind of igniting the growth of your startup. And it's a tough funding environment right now, but the opportunities to create a better solution or better technology, I think they're really out there. And, um, you know, in the, we're coming out of a major catastrophe with the pandemic that's really, as we've said before, a world-shaking kind of thing, even if people are trying to put it behind them. And I don't think the book has yet been written at all about all the successes that will come from the changes in the world. This, I mean, it could, there's a lot of bad stuff too we have to go into, but on the technology side, hopefully there are opportunities as well. Yeah, it will be a reset for sure. And, you know, it's, it's like you often mention, rightly, Chris, we're, we're talking here largely about that office-based knowledge worker kind of environment. So we're not painting a brush for the whole yes. economy. That's a different kind of, yes. that's a different tangent. Yes. And we, and thank you for reminding me, John, we always have to mention that we're talking about a segment of the workforce and a segment of the population. And, you know, it's not the same all over. It should be more than it is, but it's not. Yeah. All right, I'm, we're, we're going to call time now just because we could talk all day about any of these events further, uh, and we should, <laughs> but we can't. Uh, so we're going to, you know, to, before I get to the outro here, of, of folks, I just want to quickly mention, you know, we've kind of skimmed over a lot of stuff at high level. Um, I write about my travels quite a bit on my blog and publish articles in various places, and you can tap all of that on my website I also regularly post photos and some video clips, uh, primarily on YouTube. If you're friendly with me, I also post different photos, the fun photos on Facebook. So I'm trying to share stuff as much as I can and as much in the moment as I can. But sometimes there's a delay of a few weeks. Um, I still have to catch up on posting photos from my trips to China. I got a lot of stuff to catch up on. We'll get there, but I'm just saying, if you want to hear more, there's places to find it, and uh, we can always talk offline. Okay, awesome. John, we got to mention we're going to be on stage this. And week. yeah, that's the lead up. Okay, you take it, Chris. No, no, no. I I wasn't sure if you were going to go straight into the outro. Not yet. But we got a big day coming up, so go go for it. Yeah. Okay. So it's Jeff. You're out there. I we know you are. So Jeff Pulver is running his latest and certainly not last Vaughn Evolution event, Voice on the Net. If you go back long enough, well, either you know about Jeff or you don't. Let's just leave it at that. But Jeff Pulver, you look him up. Vaughn Evolution is the name of the event. It's going to be in New York City. Um, Unfortunately, this event will have passed by the time you hear this podcast. But that's where Chris and I are going to be Wednesday, November 1st. We have a session at 1 p.m. In fact, it's a special edition live broadcast of Watch This Space. So we'll be doing it on the floor in front of an audience and who knows chris that might take us in some new directions altogether if we can get a nice big fat sponsor right 
We will see, John. I mean, it should be interesting. We'll have a lot to talk about just that will have happened that morning before we get on stage. But uh, we'll probably put out a special, I think, sometimes this, this month, this, um, whatever we can manage to capture from Vaughn Evolution. But it certainly looks like a good lineup of people there. So it should be an interesting event. And I will see you in person in a couple of days. Exactly. So we're doing this all in reverse order, kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie, guys. So we're recording this podcast before Jeff's event, but this won't be published until after Jeff's event. So you pick the past, present, future mode you want to be in. But that's what's happening. So with that, that's our time on today's episode. So we would like to thank all of you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our podcast to continue with us as we explore the future of work on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd love a review or a a rating from you. And of course, suggestions for future episodes. All feedback is more than welcome. And with that, I'm John Arnold. I'm Chris Fine. Thanks for listening this month. Always look forward to hearing any comments, as John says. And stay tuned next month and maybe even a special this month for another edition of Watch This Space.